This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. ESPN New York. A lot to talk about tonight. We'll take your calls, of course, at 800-919-3776. 800-919-ESPN is the number. What a night. Yankees actually get a win. Garrett Cole. Pitch is great. Bullpen doesn't blow it. And Garrett Cole, I think, is still in the running to win his first ever Cy Young Award. But let's be real. The big story in New York sports right now is football. Football season cannot get here quick enough. And, of course, the Jets and the Giants tomorrow night at MetLife Stadium, the preseason debut of Aaron Rodgers. And let me say this. As a Jet fan, I have been praying to the injury gods, the football injury gods, all damn week. All right, Aaron Rodgers, I, I, look, as a Jet fan, I do not want him to play in this game. I understand why he is, but I've been praying to the injury gods all week because the last thing any Jet fan needs is this magical dream to end on August 26th. Aaron Rodgers hopefully goes out there, plays a couple drives. He looks good. You get him out of the game. We sing Kumbaya, and then we move forward to Monday Night Football against the Bills in less than three weeks. A lot to talk about with the Jets and the Giants. Give, me, give you my thoughts on that coming up here. I do want to say this, though. We are loaded with a monster football guest list tonight to get you set for Jets-Giants. Sean O'Hara, Super Bowl champion with the Giants, now on the NFL Network. He's coming up in the next segment at 10-15. Then, how about this, Jet fans? Braylon Edwards. You watched him on Hard Knocks the other night talking to Mark Sanchez and Aaron Rodgers. He's going to join us at 10-45. And then at 11-30 tonight, Leger Duzable, former Jets defensive lineman. He's now on CBS Sports HQ as a football analyst. He's coming up at 11-30. So not one, not two, but three. Big-time football guests to get you set for the Jets and the Giants tomorrow night at MetLife Stadium. And we'll start with the Jets' angle in this game tomorrow. Look, I understand why the Jets are playing Aaron Rodgers. I understand why they're playing their starters. But that doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Because to me, if the Giants are not going to be playing any of their own starters, why do the Jets need to play Rodgers? I get it. He wants to be out there. Salah wants to see him out there. But, man, I, I mean, I understand Salah says you can't coach scared. I get it. But... Does Aaron Rodgers really need to be out there? I mean, he hasn't played in the preseason since 2018. He's won two MVPs since he last played in the preseason. So this is probably just my inner Jet fan and me talking. But I really, really wish Rodgers was not going to play. That being said, the Jets aren't wrong for him wanting to play, right? I, I get it. Right? The, the Robert Sala can't worry about Jake Asman, the Jet fan, being concerned about Rodgers getting hurt. In fact, we'll hear from both Aaron Rodgers and Robert Sala right now. This was Aaron Rodgers who spoke earlier in the week being asked, Aaron, why are you playing in this game tomorrow night? Yeah, I mean, there's always that risk-reward. I think over the years it just hasn't made sense based on a number of different factors. But I used to enjoy playing the preseason back in my younger years just to kind of maybe take that first hit or feel the kind of the nerves in the first drive. So I look forward to being out there. It was not much of a conversation with Robert. I think he was a little more nervous, I might have said, no, but I was already leaning towards asking him to play, so it was an easy conversation, and I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but it'll be good to be out there with the guys, and obviously there's been some shuffling around, some some of our front back in today at practice. It kind of looked uh, the way things were trending the past uh, week or so, so uh, it'll be nice to be out there with those five. I mean, the one thing Roger said there that, you know, as a Jet fan, I'm like, oh, I don't know. He wants to take that first hit. I don't want to see him get touched tomorrow night. I can't be wrong, right? If you're a Jeff fan, you don't want to see Aaron Rodgers get touched by anyone. And I know the Giants aren't playing Kayvon Thibodeau and the rest of their starters up front, but still, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers get touched by anybody. I, I don't want to see him get touched by you know, anyone on the sideline. Like I want this guy in bubble wrap from now until September 11th against Buffalo. So that's my two cents on that. But take that first hit, I, I don't want to see him get hit at all. Now, 
The one thing that Rodgers talked about that he used to enjoy playing in the preseason, I get it. And, I, and, and, and I'll say this, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they played in the preseason this year. In fact, Patrick Mahomes played six snaps in the Chiefs' first game. He played 20 in their second. He's going to play in their third most likely tomorrow. Josh Allen has played in the preseason. So it's not like the Jets are doing something that has not been done. But I think I speak for all Jet fans. We don't want to see this guy out there because we don't want to risk injury. But as someone who used to work in Houston covering the Texans, a couple of years back, I went to a Texans Patriots, Texans Bucks preseason matchup. And Tom Brady, the year after he won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, he actually played in a preseason game in Houston. And I was there and I watched and I couldn't believe Tom Brady at the time at age 43 coming off his seventh Super Bowl ring was actually going to go out there and play in a preseason game. So if Tom Brady, maybe the GOAT, could go out there and play, I get why other quarterbacks could play. But you're going to be nervous if you're a Jet fan watching this game. You just are. I understand why he's playing. I understand the rationale behind it. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it if you're a fan of the Jets. This was Robert Sala, the Jet head coach, earlier in the week, once again talking about why he made the decision to play Aaron Rodgers in this game tomorrow night. You can't coach scared. You know, you see some of the great ones out there. You know, Kansas City's playing their guys. Buffalo's playing their guys. What's in the best interest for our team is to, to go out there, play some football together, and, and prepare ourselves the best way we can for September 11th. I don't want to just throw them out there for a series and get them out. would like to see those guys to go through transition, get to the sideline, have some adjustments, play with those adjustments. And so you'd like to see that transition happen a few times. So I do understand Salah's rationale, hey, this guy, Rodgers, going to go out there. Monday Night Football, week one. You don't want that to be his first experience at MetLife Stadium. And the one thing you can say with this game tomorrow night, it is a night game. Now, it's a Saturday night. It's not a Monday night game. But there is some more juice in a Jets-Giants preseason matchup than, you know, Jets-Bucks last week would have been. But still, if you're the Jets, you're just hoping and praying that nothing catastrophic happens tomorrow night. The one thing I'll say about the Jets in this game tomorrow they're going to have essentially four of their five starters on the offensive line playing in this game, right? If we're going to assume Dwayne Brown's not playing because he just came off the pup list earlier in the week, let's say Billy Turner's at left tackle. Other than Billy Turner, the rest of the offensive line should be the week one starters. Lakin Tomlinson at left guard, Connor McGovern at center, Elijah Vera Tucker at right guard, and then obviously Mekhi Becton at right tackle. And I feel way better about this Jets offensive line with Becton at tackle than I do a combination of Billy Turner and Max Mitchell. Everyone's talked about the Jets' offensive line, and rightfully so. That's the glaring concern with this team. And it's not a concern because the talent's not good enough. It's a concern because there's an unknown on what the talent is. Can guys stay healthy? If you tell me Dwayne Brown and Mekhi Becton are healthy, and I get 17 games of ABT, who's going to give you an all-pro-level season at guard, I feel pretty good about this offensive line protecting Aaron Rodgers. I do. The question is health, and Dwayne Brown coming off the pup list this past week is huge, Jet fans, huge, because this guy, despite his age, is still a damn good football player. Look how he graded out last year at any, like, analytic metric you want to use. And also, how about this thing called the eye test? Dwayne Brown playing with a separated shoulder was one of the Jets' offensive linemen that actually didn't, didn't you know, make you just rip your hair out with just inefficient performance. He was good. You get him back, hopefully, for week one. That's the plan. And Mekhi Becton's emergence all summer has been really positive if you're a fan of this team. So what once was considered a major question mark, I think if you're a Jet fan, at least you feel a lot better about the state of this offensive line going into this game tomorrow. You know, that and the fact that the Giants are playing none of their starters. So it should be a couple series. It should be easy for the Jets. We know Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook aren't going to play. 
But forever, you know, forever how long Aaron Rodgers is out there, you're just hoping it's smooth, he's protected, and the Jets can get their work in without any major injuries. Forget Rodgers, right? You don't want anyone else getting hurt. And I can promise you this, you know, Jets, Giants, the big Snoopy Bowl tomorrow at MetLife, I can promise you this. I'm willing to bet my entire salary on this. If the game is tight late, you will not see Robert Sala put Aaron Rodgers into this game late in the fourth quarter to try and win because he really wants to win this Snoopy Bowl. All right, Salah's not going to go full Rex Ryan in 2013 with Mark Sanchez. I can promise you that. I don't know what else is going to happen in this game tomorrow, but I can promise you we will not see Robert Salah go all Rex Ryan and try and win the Snoopy Bowl against the Giants tomorrow night. That's a lock. Lock it in. You got to drop for that, Jake Perry. Lock that in. We will not have a Rex Ryan you know, reenactment by Robert Sala on this one tomorrow. Book it. But the reality is this, and there's that lock. The reality is this, however long Rodgers plays, in and out. That's it. No injuries. That's all you're hoping for if you're the Jets. I know defensively, you know, if you watched Hard Knocks last week, you heard you know, Sala say to Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner that everybody's playing. That included them. Hopefully, a couple series, in and out, that's it. And the only benefit of where the Jets are at right now is they do have two weeks after this game tomorrow until they open up on Monday night against the Buffalo Bills. You do have a two-week period where if someone does get banged up, at least there's the, you know, the extra week before you actually got to do this for, for, you know, for real on Monday Night Football to begin the season. Yeah, but ultimately, the Giants aren't playing anyone. What's there really to watch with them? Right? If, if Saquon and Daniel Jones and Darren Waller and their entire defense is not going to be out there, there's really nothing you can gain from a Giants perspective in this one. All eyes are going to be on the Jets. All eyes are going to be on Aaron Rodgers as he makes his debut. And I'm sitting here in a Las Vegas hotel room right now at Circa Resort and Casino. I'll be down at the Sportsbook tomorrow watching this game, and I'm just going to be on pins and needles because the last thing any Jet fan needs is something bad happening to Aaron Rodgers before this magic carpet ride season potentially begins. We don't need, you know, Chad Pennington in 2003 getting hurt against the Giants ending his season. Or I already referenced Mark Sanchez in the Snoopy Bowl in 2013. The injury ended his season. All right, Pennington missed the first six games. The Jets were cooked by the time he got back. 13, you had Geno Smith come in. The rest is history. The last thing the Jets need is any injuries. In and out, and that's it. All right? No injuries to Rodgers. Get his work in, and let's do it for real Monday night against the Bills. That's the Jets' angle in this game tomorrow. From a Giants standpoint, once again, if nobody's going to play, you're just hoping the backups don't get hurt. Speaking of the Giants, let's preview their season. Sean O'Hara, Super Bowl champion, Eli Center for many years. He's going to be joining us in the next segment. We'll get into the Giants' season expectations, and we'll talk more about the upcoming season and the expectations for Daniel Jones and much more. Sean O'Hara now on the NFL Network. He's going to join us next here on a Friday night. Jake Asman with you until midnight. It's the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. It's Big Blue. And joining us right now to talk more about that game and preview the football season for both the Giants and the Jets is a Super Bowl champion a pro bowler, and an NFL Network analyst. Sean O'Hara joins the show. Sean, always appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight. Yeah, Jake. Hey, hey thanks for having me on, man. Uh, it's always great to uh, come on with you and talk a little ball. And, uh, you know, it never gets old hearing that intro right there. Super Bowl champion, huh? Is that the thing <laughs> that stands out, a three-time pro bowler? It just brings back so many great memories. 
Fantastic. And look, you look back at your career, Sean. I mean, you were so instrumental in the Giants' success during that first championship season with Eli Manning. And obviously, you know, you're now a, a successful analyst. So when people recognize you, do they recognize you more for being on the NFL Network all these years or for being part of those great Giants teams? Yeah, it's funny, Jake. I can always kind of tell based on the demographic of the person that's coming up to me. I'm like, all right, is this guy, if he's old enough, he knows Super Bowl 42, he watched me play. If he's a young buck, I, people come up to me and say, oh, hey, I, I, I see you on Good Morning Football, or hey, I watch you on the NFL Network. Um, and those are the kids that, that I have to remind that I actually played because, um, yeah, they don't they don't have any idea. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly, you know, living here in Jersey, still being in the area, Giants fans are so passionate. And I know there's a lot of people that are hesitant to sometimes go up and, and talk shop, but um, I love being a New York Giant. I, I love playing for them. Um, I love playing for the fans and, and being from Jersey as well. Um, you know, it's it's rooted in me and and uh, I take a lot of pride in that. So I'm glad to, to always talk shop and talk about people uh, and where they were when uh, when we took down the Death Star, uh, the Patriots and Super Bowl 42. <laughs> Everybody's got a Super Bowl 42 story. They tell me where they were, who they were with, what they were doing and how long they cried for. There's no doubt about that. And, of course, Giants fans are really excited for this upcoming season. We're, of course, talking with Sean O'Hara here on 98.7 ESPN New York. So we'll get into the Giants here. Then i got to ask you about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and all that. But you look at this Giants team, Sean. I mean, last year, no one had them going to the playoffs. No one had them winning a playoff game. What are your thoughts on now the expectations for year two of Brian Dable? And, of course, Daniel Jones got the big money contract, so all eyes will be on him this season. Yeah, Jake, you bring up a great point. The expectations have completely changed from this time last year. You know, this time last year, the P word we were talking about was progress. And it was, all right, when do we see it? How long does it take for it to actually, you know, come into play? And lo and behold, last year, they not only make the playoffs, but win a playoff game. So, you know, that's the new P word, you know, playoffs. That's that's the expectations. And the Giants are going to be a better team this year than they were last year, no doubt. Offensively, they're already better. I mean, we already saw in the last preseason game, uh, the connections between Daniel Jones and and Darren Waller, what he brings to this offense, and what a, a nightmare matchup he is. This offense is is going to have more explosive plays. Jalen Hyatt has brought that. I think we're going to see more explosive plays from from Saquon as well. I think they're going to find new wrinkles with him. Um, so this this is going to be a better team. It already looks like a better team. Um, it sounds like a better team. This sounds like a team that has confidence in who they are and defensively they know what they can do they know that they can hang with the best offenses in the league so it definitely feels like a completely different team um inside and out top to bottom but you mentioned daniel jones and his new contract you know people forget at this time last year the giants did not pick up daniel jones fifth year option he was basically on a look this could be my last year as a new york giant kind of mindset and i think from a leadership standpoint, that can be tough, especially for a quarterback. If it's like, hey, this is my contract year, like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. But not only signing him to this contract financially, what that security brings to Daniel Jones, but it also brings a different kind of leadership for him because guys know, look, this team is committed. This is his team. Like, this is his franchise. It's his huddle. It's his locker room. And I think that gives him the ultimate – you know, identity as far as who was our leader, who's our go-to guy. Um, certainly his play, the elevation of his play leads him to that. But um, I think that ripple effect has been seen and been heard 
throughout OTAs, throughout minicamp, and certainly throughout training camp. And you see it when he takes the field. He has a different command. He's got a different presence. And he's playing his best football right now. And I've been a number of practices, Jake. I can't. I can probably count on one hand how many times I've seen the ball hit the ground when he's playing quarterback. And that's how you can always tell a good practice from a, a crappy one, is how many times does the ball hit the ground? Incompletions, you know, fumbles. Obviously, those are never good, but just incompletions. Like he just doesn't miss. Sean O'Hara is our guest here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Jake has been hanging out with you until midnight, talking about the Giants and their upcoming season. Giants and Jets. Final preseason game for both teams at MetLife tomorrow night. So, Sean, you're the, probably the perfect person to ask this question to about Daniel Jones because you, of course, played with Eli Manning and you saw his, his growth, his development, the leadership skills that he continued to improve on throughout his career. Do you see the similarities between Daniel Jones and Eli? Because a lot of people point out the fact they sound similar, they kind of handle themselves in a similar manner. Do you see any similarities between your experience playing with Eli and, of course, your experience now covering and watching Daniel Jones? There are a lot of similar qualities from a personality standpoint, from a demeanor standpoint. And ironically, I think that's one of the things that really kind of drew the Giants to him when he was coming out of Duke. And it was, hey, here's a guy who went to a program that really was kind of, you know, under the radar and he elevated guys around him. And when you were breaking down film on Daniel Jones at Duke, there wasn't a lot of NFL caliber around him. And yet he led them to a bowl victory. So I think we saw last year Daniel Jones do that at the NFL level not a lot of great talent around him offensively um, the wide receiver core was decimated with injuries and his leading receiver was a guy they picked up on the practice squad and Isaiah Hodges from the Buffalo Bills so that elevation of the guys around him is what they really saw with him but his demeanor no doubt when the Giants drafted him I, I went on record and I said if you kind of put Peyton and Eli in a blender this is kind of what you get he's he's a little bit more mobile than all both of them he, he can do something that Eli and Peyton could only dream of and that's you know run for a 70 yard touchdown um he's a true he's a true weapon um with his legs so uh, that's an upgrade it, you know it, he's 2.0 if you if you want to you know talk iPhones um and, and upgrades but I think just from the way that he handles himself off the field the way he handles himself on the field like he's not a flex touchdown guy he doesn't have a touchdown celebration like in the bank ready to come out it's hey look he's old school from that style um i think we saw his mental toughness last year like i mentioned the fifth year option not getting picked up but also just the way he was battered and bruised from the year before and the turnovers that's all anybody want to talk about and he said all right fine that's what you think of me i'm gonna fix that and i don't think people realize this he had the lowest interception rate in the entire nfl last year lower than aaron Rodgers, lower than brady lower than you know, you name it, like he was number one. So he fixed the turnover issue. And I think that in itself um, completely changed the narrative for him. Um, I also think the other similarity is people forget that the New York media was ready to throw Eli in the trash in his fourth year, just like Daniel Jones. Year in, 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 you know, 2007, we start out 0-2 and, and we're going down to play Washington. And the back page of the New York Post and the Daily News that, that, that week were, Eli's a bust. Tom must go. You know, so they were they were ready to throw Eli in the trash, and um, lo and behold, we turned that season around, won the Super Bowl, and everything uh, has changed since then. But I, th I feel like Daniel Jones is kind of having a similar career from that standpoint. Year four was kind of his turnaround year, and, and now everybody loves DJ.
We're talking, of course, with Sean O'Hara, former New York Giants Pro Bowl center, Super Bowl champion. Now you watch him on the NFL Network, where he's an analyst. He's joining us here on 98.7 ESPN New York. Jake Asman with you until midnight. So, Sean, you, know, you mentioned your old coach, Tom Coughlin. I have to ask you about him. He's up for the Hall of Fame induction. He's still not in just yet. I think a lot of Giants fans would love to see the day that Tom Coughlin gets honored in Canton. Your thoughts on Coach Coughlin and obviously playing for the guy. You must believe the man's a Hall of Fame coach, right? Yeah, he certainly has the pedigree. Um, you know, if he's not a Hall of Fame coach, then, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what one is. Um, you know, the parameters now, everybody's got these, uh, you know, these reasons why somebody shouldn't be in. I think you can't write the record books of the NFL without Tom Coughlin in it. So that in itself, you know, it's not just the Super Bowl championships, but it's who he did it against and how we did it. Um, I think those sh alone should cement him. But, you know, people forget he also – created the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. He was hired a year before they were even starting the season and he built that whole franchise. He hired everybody. I mean, he, I, from the, the front office to the cafeteria people, he was responsible for every single person in that building. And they went to the AFC championship game and, um, you know, had things gone differently, who knows, he might've had another ring. Um, I think the, the impact that he had on the game as a coach, um, as a leader, as an ambassador, even after he left coaching, he was a part of the NFL's competition committee. So he's he's been involved in it. He's a lifer for it. Um, I think he certainly deserves it. Um, it sounds like this year didn't work out. Um, and I think it's always frustrating uh, to see guys that deserve to get in that maybe have to wait longer than they should. Um, I've always been a proponent of don't, don't limit the numbers. Like if you have a year where 15 guys deserve to go in, like get them in. Like, you know, we can you can build more floors on the hall of fame. Like I, I it's, it doesn't have to be one level or two levels. You could build another level if you need to. Um, and that just, you know, will, will make the experience when people go to Ken that much better. But uh, the one silver lining I see with that is if Tom has to wait till next year, you know, the only interesting thing with that is I think that's Eli's first year of eligibility and how cool would that be if they got in together? Wow. Did not realize that. And that obviously would be fantastic. And, and just looking at Tom Coughlin's career, Sean, I think what always impressed me as an outsider is going back to how 2006 seemingly ended. He enters 07 on the hot seat. And we heard all the stories about how he brings in the, you know, the player leadership council that I know you were a part of. And it seems like he kind of evolved as a head coach on the fly going into that season. And it culminated, of course, with a Super Bowl win. But can you go back and kind of take us inside what it was like to maybe see the evolution of Tom Coughlin as your coach? Yeah, we definitely, for the guys that were there, I came to the Giants in 04 as, as a free agent, and that was the year we drafted Eli, and we drafted Chris Snee that year as well. And we kind of took our lumps that year. Um, and then Eli's second year, we won the division, went 11-5, and five, and everything seemed great. And then, you know, we had a couple of hiccups and a couple of speed bumps along the way. But, um, yeah, in 2007, we definitely saw a different type of coaching from – Coach Coughlin. Now, there were things that he was not going to change. I'm a stickler for this. You were going to be punctual. You're going to be on time. I'm not going to tolerate penalties and foolishness and turnovers. But he became more relatable and more personable. And I think a huge part of that was Chris Snee. And the fact that, that he was married to his daughter, it allowed him to show the personal side of him that he would had never shown players before. And it's funny how we used to always kind of um, say to Chris, hey, you know, when you bring your kids to practice, he yells a lot less, 
practices a lot better. He's smiling. Like, can you have his, your kids come to every practice? It, just, it made it easier on all of us. Um, and, and I think that was a big part of the transition was people started telling him, look, when you're around your family and your kids, like you're a great man, like, like it's okay to let the player see that. And I think he had this line of demarcation. Like I've got to be the general here and I can't let them show or see any other side of it. And I think that year was a big year for him personally, but also for us as a team. Um, and I think he started to trust us um, that year more so than anybody than any year. And it was, I can trust these guys because, you know, they want the same things that I do, um, which is to win. And, and I think that once he realized that trusted us. And once we realized that he was making the effort, um, I think we all grew. Uh, and as much as guys maybe despise some of his ways when they were playing for him, the one thing I hear every player saying whenever we're at an event and coach is there and some of his former players come up, each and every one of them says, coach, thank you. Thank you for being hard on me. Thank you for pushing me. Thank you. For, I'm teaching my kids the things you taught me. And I'm a, I'm a coach now for my son who's 10 years old and he's playing football now. I find myself saying the same things to him that Tom told us. And I'm like, holy cow, here we are. And it's th those are the principles that carry you throughout championships in, in football and in life. Um, and I know the players all, you know, anybody that played for him, um, as much as he was tough on you, you, you love him for being tough. Super Bowl champion, NFL Network analyst Sean O'Hara is with us here on the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN New York. Sean, got to get you out of here by asking you about the other New York team, Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. Of course, Rodgers making his debut tomorrow night at MetLife Stadium. Your thoughts on this Jets team? Do you look at them as a legitimate contender coming out of the AFC? Yeah, I do. And, you know, it's funny. We say the other New York team, like, you know, I think we all just naturally think of the Bills. Um, but, no, it's the, the, the Jets. They're, they're, there's, there's the three-headed monster right there in, in New York. I think for the Jets, it, it's amazing now in the NFL what one player can do to an entire organization, to an entire fan base. Now, Aaron Rodgers is a special type of player. Like, you know, what the Jets did this offseason, like, that comes around very rarely. I mean, we saw Peyton Manning switch teams and then change Denver's trajectory. We saw Tom Brady do it. Um, and I think those two doing it ahead of him kind of probably gave him the thought that, hey, you know what, I can go and do that as well. We saw Brett uh, Favre do it uh, previously um, as well. So I think those guys kind of laid the groundwork for him to do this. But the accountability factor of bringing in Aaron Rodgers to the Jets has risen the level of play around him. It has risen the coaching level around him. And I think everybody knows, look, we've got a two-time NFL MVP with us here. He's going to demand a lot. He's going to expect a lot. But he can take us places that we never thought possible with our previous quarterbacks. And I, I think for the Jets, you know, it's, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I'm a former Giant. I've always rooted for the Jets. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a brotherly and sibling relationship. And I don't ever want to see them do poorly. But I've always – kind of felt bad for Jets fans because I feel like every year they get excited. Hey, this is the year, this is the year. And then the carpet gets ripped out from underneath them. And they have been so starved for great quarterback play. Like I went back and looked at the last time a quarterback threw for 4,000 yards for the New York Jets. Um, do you have any idea when that was and who it was? Unfortunately, I do. Love the guy. But it's Joe Namath in 1967, Sean. It's time yeah. for somebody to do it. And his name yes. is Aaron Rodgers. Yes, Jets fans, I ask them that all the time, and they rattle through, uh, was it Pennington? Uh, man, who was it? Like, they're going through all the guys. Yes, uh, Joe Namath. And the fact that it was in 69, I mean, that 
that's remarkable. But that's how starved and deprived Jets fans have been from, you know, excellent quarterback play. And so now bringing him to, to the Jets, the ripple effect, um, you know, I, I think we already see it, you know, with hard knocks and we already see it with the hoopla and, and kind of, you know, people call it a media circus. I just think of it as, look, it's attention. And it's, you know, for the Jets fans, it's positive attention that is valid because it's not, hey, this guy's, a, you know, a first-round pick or, you know, it's not an unknown commodity. We know Aaron Rodgers is what he's capable of. The big thing that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to is seeing how they, how they protect him because, you know, look, the Giants and the Jets are playing tomorrow night, the preseason game. The last time we saw the Giants against Aaron Rodgers, the game was in London. He was playing for the Packers, and the Giants were all over him. And they smacked him around. They actually – he got hurt in that game. Um, and they ended up, you know, knocking him around a little bit. Wink Martindale put some blitzes together, and they got home. So uh, do we see that same, you know, type of defensive scheme? I don't know. But the guy that I'm watching closely is Mekhi Becton because as good as Aaron Rodgers is, like any quarterback – if he's not, if he doesn't have a pocket, if Dwayne Brown's not healthy, if Mekhi Beck is not healthy, if your tackles can't solidify that pocket, then it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to struggle. And that's that's really the key to the Jets season in my eyes and, and how I see it. Uh, I think the defense is stacked. They're loaded. Um, I can't wait to see Jermaine Johnson. Um, sounds like he's going to be a beast this season. They can't wait to unleash him. Um, you know, and they've already got a bunch of young, talented players and Sauce Gardner and Gary Wilson. So uh, that's going to be fun to watch. Um, you know, I, I know that Aaron Rodgers is going to make some some fans ooh and ah. He's going to make some sick throws. Um, but I also know this too. Things are different. All right. When you play for the Green Bay Packers, if you have a bad game and you go out to dinner and you're at Lombardi Steakhouse in Appleton, Packers fans are going to come up and say, we love you. We love you. Don't worry about it. Shake it off. Jets fans are a little different. All right. If you have a bad game and you go out to dinner in the city, like you're going to hear about it. All right. Vinny and Tommy are not going to let you off easy. Like you're going to hear it from, from Joey and Bobby and, and, and Timmy, like they're They're going to let you know what they think of you. He's Sean O'Hara. You watch him on the NFL network, Super Bowl champion, former New York Giants center, kind enough with his time here on 98.7 ESPN. Sean, always appreciate it, man. Continued success on your end and enjoy a little Giants Jets tomorrow night at MetLife. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake. He's Sean O'Hara. My name is Jake Asman. We'll take a quick break and back to your calls. More coming up right here. It is the Jake Asman Show. It's 98.7 ESPN New York. This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks again to Sean O'Hara for joining us in the previous segment. How about the story he told, by the way, that Chris Snee bringing his kids to Giants training camp because, of course, Chris Snee ends up marrying Tom Coughlin's daughter was the reason why Tom Coughlin was able to change and show a softer side of things in 2007 and allow the Giants to go on that run all the way to a Super Bowl win against the Patriots in Super Bowl 42. That's essentially what Sean O'Hara said. So maybe we need to take back Eli Manning's Super Bowl MVP award from that season and give it to Chris Snee instead. That's kind of what Sean O'Hara was saying there uh, in the last segment when we had him on. If you missed the interview, it will be up on our podcast page wherever you get your podcast for ESPN New York following our show tonight. And we got more guests coming. Braylon Edwards is going to be joining us in the next segment. So we gave you the Giants angle with Sean O'Hara. We'll talk some Jets with a guy who was on hard knocks the other night out of Jets training camp last week. Braylon Edwards. We'll ask him about the current number 17 on the Jets. That, of course, is Garrett Wilson. As far as the Giants go, man, look, Daniel Jones has to take a step forward. I think if you're a Giant fan, you love hearing what Sean O'Hara said, saying that he's been to a bunch of practices and the ball has barely hit the field referring to the fact that Daniel Jones has been sharp, he's been accurate, 
And seemingly with better weapons, like a guy like Darren Waller, uh, Daniel Jones now making the big money can maybe take another step forward in his career. He has to, right? That's the big unknown with this Giants team. Seems like they're well coached. In fact, we know they're well coached. You have Saquon Barkley. But can Daniel Jones now make in the big bucks? Can he take his game to another level, right? I was listening to Pat O'Keefe before I came on tonight. Daniel Jones, 15 touchdowns last year. Yeah, he had another seven rushing touchdowns. Cool. But 22 total touchdowns for a guy making $40 million a year, that's not going to be good enough. You know, Daniel Jones is going to need to throw at least 25, 27 touchdowns this year, I think, for the Giants to be you know, the type of team that could go on a serious run. And really, for the Giants, it starts opening night. you got to go out there and beat the Cowboys. I'm sorry. I mean, how often are you going to continue to lose to Dallas and Philly in your own division? If you're truly different this year, if you're the Giants, win opening night at home against a Cowboys team that is grossly overrated. All right, it's enough of the Cowboys who added Trey Lance today in a trade. God, think about the 49ers for a moment. They traded three first-round picks and a third-round pick to move up to get Trey Lance, who they took third overall in 2021. Now they traded him to Dallas for a mid-round pick. Crazy. 800-919-3776, 800-919-ESPN. Let's go to the phones right now. We'll go to Mr. Bonesy. In NYC, he wants in on the Jets and the Giants conversation. Bonesy, you're first up tonight. You're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7. What do you got for us? Jakey, what's up, man? Love hearing you on the radio again. It's always a pleasure, dude. Well, thank you for calling in, Bonesy. Appreciate you. What do you got? Well, first off, that interview was great, man. Getting that intel about the Giants, that was pretty cool, just hearing how Chris Nee really did have that much effect on their team as a whole, and Coughlin changing his whole perspective on coaching almost. He was still a hardhead, but, you know, it seems like that may have more effect than we uh, we thought. And I feel like with the Giants, I'm not as positive as, as uh, O'Hara was on Daniel Jones. I feel like they didn't do too much upgrades this offseason. They brought in Paris Campbell. I know Darren Waller at tight end is, is a fantastic player, and I think he's going to have a great year, but... I still think they need more. Uh, they have so much pressure on Barkley. I'm just excited to see what they can do. They didn't do much in terms of uh, Isaiah Hodgins is still there, and they have so much injury questions between Shepard and uh, I know uh, Slayton's been on and off with health. So that's that's my Giants take. But let's go over to the Jets quickly. I feel uh, I feel like the big news right now is Corey Davis. You know, I give my shout out to his family, you know, us Jets Nation. We we appreciate his time, and we can only hope that everything's okay. We don't have too much information right now, but I think, uh, I think you know, you got to do what's best for himself before anything. So props to him on doing that, and uh, best of love from Jets Nation. I, I think we're going to do more 12 personnel this year. You know, I think at the beginning, I don't think Douglas is going to do anything crazy. I think he's going to play the waivers, maybe uh, – Maybe he'll, you know, snag somebody. We're going to have to have one of our Brownies or Gibson step up to that role. But I think we're going to go 12 personnel. Remember me saying this. I think Conklin's going to be his number two or number three target this season behind Garrett. And now all of our health is on Garrett's health is so important to our team. But, man, tomorrow Rodgers is starting. Let's go, Jake. Let's, yes. let's go, baby. Let's go, Bonesy. Bonesy, I appreciate the call, man. Love your enthusiasm as always. Look, here's the thing. The Corey Davis retirement, I don't think drastically impacts the Jets on August 25th. Corey Davis retiring 
could significantly impact the Jets if somebody else in that receiver room gets hurt. Like, if you tell me Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, Miko Hardman, and Randall Cobb stay healthy for the full year, I think they have more than enough in that room. Because that's how high I'm, uh, you know, I believe in Garrett Wilson, who, by the way, is plus 3,600 to win Offensive Player of the Year. That's an Asman sprinkle if I've ever heard one. All right. There, there's going to be some money placed on Garrett Wilson at those odds. Plus 3,600, $100 to win 3,600 bucks. You kidding me? Have you watched Hard Knocks? I mean, Garrett Wilson's the next Jerry Rice, according to HBO. At least that's the vibe I got watching this most recent episode. But look, the, the questions with the Jets as far as their skill position players now following the Davis retirement, how do they compensate for his production? He was probably a wide receiver three on this team this year. So, so could the Jets throw to the tight ends more? I think that's a staple of an Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett offense. Like, I think we're going to see all three tight ends on the Jets be utilized. I think we're going to see a lot of Tyler Conklin. We're going to see a lot of C.J. Uzama. And I think the pride of Lindenhurst, Long Island, Jeremy Rucker is going to play a real role on this team. So you throw to the tight ends more. And how about this for a concept? Have your best players be on the field at all times. If that means Brace Hall and Dalvin Cook are both out of the backfield on given plays, do it. Or how about you go out there and you have you know, Brees Hall line up in the slot. Who's guarding Brees Hall in the slot? No linebacker could cover that guy. The Jets should use Brees Hall the same way the San Francisco 49ers and the Carolina Panthers previously used Christian McCaffrey. That's the talent Brees Hall has. Any Jet fan who watched it last year, we saw it. I mean, this guy was running away with Offensive Rookie of the Year until he got hurt. And then Joe Douglas had such a great draft that the other rookie on offense, Carrot Wilson, goes out there and wins the award. So, look, I wish Corey Davis all the best. I think there's more to that story than what we know right now. I just don't think a guy who's 28 years old has a chance to play with the best quarterback he's ever played with by far decides just to hang it up. So I hope there's there's really you know nothing serious going on. I don't want to speculate, but something doesn't add up with the Corey Davis story. But I, I wish him all the best, but I think the Jets are fine for now. There's a concern if there's an injury. Then the depth is going to be tested. And this game tomorrow against the Giants, I know the Giants aren't playing anyone, but from a Jets standpoint, there's what, maybe two wide receiver spots now open on this roster? Could a guy like Jason Brownlee, an undrafted free agent from Southern Miss, could he make the team now? Malik Taylor, who has experience playing in Hackett's offense in Green Bay, playing with Rodgers, is he a guy that makes the team? How about Xavier Gibson? Saw him make some plays on special teams. Is he a guy that now can make the Jets roster? Maybe, uh, you know, Jerome Jerome Cap could make the team after he channeled his little, uh, you know, eight-mile M&M cameo on Hard Knocks the other night. Point is, seems like there's at least two wide receiver spots now open with Corey Davis retiring. But I don't think it drastically hurts the Jets at this point. Now, that being said, if the Jets are as good as most people expect them to be, they're a contending team in the AFC, if there's a move they need to make at the trade deadline, it very easily could be a number one wide receiver or, you know, a 1A playing next to Garrett Wilson. Right? I like Alan Lazard. He's a nice player. He's not a number two or a high-end number two. He's not a one. You look at Randall Cobb, I think he'll make plays for this team, but he's an older player. You're not depending on Randall Cobb to be a huge contributor. Miko Harbin's a nice player. You got Garrett Wilson. You got Alan Lazard. You got some tight ends. You, you have the running game. But without Corey Davis, you start talking about some injuries there, and then all of a sudden you're a lot thinner. So you wonder how that plays a part in Joe Douglas's thinking here when he's trying to fill out the rest of the roster. 
We'll talk more about the Jets and the Giants in the next segment. we got Braylon Edwards joining us at the top of the hour. Lots still to do. Jake Asman with you until midnight. You're listening to the Jake Asman Show here on 98.7 ESPN New York.